Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Encounter Church. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Well, my name is Tori. I am the kids pastor here at Encounter, um, and I get the incredible opportunity this morning to share God's word with you. Um, Pastor Chris is in Warrensburg this morning, so he asked if I would step in. And of course, I love getting to talk to the big people, the big kids. That's what I like to say because I am with little ones a lot. Um, So I get to talk to the big kids today. Um, So we are just so thankful that you guys are here. Um, If this is your first time, we just want to say, like Pastor Luke, said, welcome home. Um, This place is incredible. We've been here on staff for a year, and we have just been so blessed by you guys, by the church, by the leadership here, and this is um, just so incredible to be a part of this church. Um, But we are going to continue our um, series called Breakthrough. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series in Romans? Hasn't it been incredible? It has been awesome. I love the book of Romans. It's just amazing just to see God's love just spoken out to us through this book of Romans. So we are in Romans chapter 12 today. So if you want to grab your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. So it's hard to believe we're almost three quarters of a way through this series. I feel like we could spend years in Romans if you really wanted to. I mean, there's just so much um, that's in this book. But today we are going to wrap up chapter 12. Um, And last week we looked at the urgency in Paul's writing when he pled with the people of Rome to offer themselves completely to God and fully to pursue the calling that God had placed on their lives. That's what we looked at last week. But today I want to just take a few minutes and look at the key ingredient that binds all of this together. And honestly, it binds everything in Christianity together, and that's love. So it says in John chapter 13, it says, So I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So what does it mean to really love someone? And I'm not talking about like an I love ice cream or I love sneakers or I love Starbucks. Like that's not what we're talking about. Not that kind of love. This is a deep down heartfelt love that that we are talking about. So Luke and I have been married for almost five years. We've been together for almost five years. And um, we actually met um, in college at James River College in Springfield. Um, We actually met playing basketball. And yes, I've beat him at one-on-one and don't let him tell you any differently. Um, So yeah, that's probably what he was attracted to me because I was just really good at basketball. Um, So I took matters into my own hands and I messaged Luke first, because if you've been around him for any length of time, you can probably tell that he's not the most outspoken guy, Um, but I am the most outspoken person probably that you've met in a while, Um, but we'll get into that later. So, um, but just saying love is, love is a choice. If you've been married for any length of time, you'll know marriage, it gets tough. You have to choose that person every day. Love doesn't just, it's not just a feeling that carries you throughout life. It's a choice. And it's, there's times when it's hard to love one another. There, it's, it's hard to do that sometimes. But the dictionary describes love as this, an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something. 
So the idea of real love has been greatly perverted by our culture. We believe that love is a feeling, and then when that feeling goes away, or the grass looks greener on the other side, that we can just give up. But the, according to society around us, if we truly love someone, then we will tolerate what they're doing. That's what the society tells us. But in other words, we will receive and embrace their behaviors or thoughts as acceptable. The problem is, is that the definition of, definition of tolerance has been changed throughout the last hundred years. In Webster's 1913 dictionary, it says tolerant is showing respect for the rights of opin or opinions or practices of others. But today it says we are willing to accept feelings, habits, or beliefs that are different from our own. There's a huge difference between showing respect and willing to accept. According to John 13, we are to love like Jesus loved. And the love of Jesus was not one of accepting wrong, but lovingly correcting the wrong. We know that. Jesus was not this, I mean, he was nice and loving and kind and gentle, but he didn't stand, I mean, he, when something was wrong or someone was doing something that wasn't the truth, he was the first one to say something about it. And when Jesus loves us just how we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Jesus gave acceptance, not approval of some behaviors. We think that we must accept others' actions or behaviors out of love, but truly, when we do that, we're not loving them. It's really easy to just be like, oh, it's fine, oh, it's fine, but it's whenever we leave them drowning or hurting or in sin, we're doing them a disservice. We need to come alongside them, love them, hold their arms up for them, and share the truth of what the Bible says. There's a story in the Bible that depicts this perfectly of, of when we come alongside someone to hold their arms up for them whenever they're in sin or they're hurting or um, this is just showing Jesus' love in this, in this story. I actually taught this story last Sunday morning um, in kids' church, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to share that next Sunday morning, so we're going to. Um, we're in Exodus chapter 17, and it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. See, I don't... I don't say these words because I will mispronounce them. So we're just going to like skip past that word. You can read it on the screen. I don't want to make a fool of myself this morning. It says, so Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, on one side and on the other side. So his hands were steady until going, the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. This is just a beautiful depiction of love for each other. They could have just left Moses weary and tired but instead they chose to lift up his arms for him. And that's the kind of love we're talking about in Romans 12. So this morning I want to look at the words of Romans 12 and discover what we are to do with this love that God has given us. So the first identifier of God's love is our love must be genuine. 
It says in Romans 12, 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. So it says, and I'm sure you guys have heard this verse a million times, especially in weddings, um, the 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and it says, love is patient and love is kind. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves, and love never fails. See, I'm like, I jinxed myself this morning with mispronouncing words. This is biblical love. This is a genuine love. If we aren't loving others this way, are we truly loving them? If you're talking bad about your coworkers or friends or anybody behind their backs, are we doing as Christ has called us to do? Absolutely not. We are called to bear Christ. We are so, to show Christ wherever we go. We are, we are image bearers of Christ. That's a, that's a high calling that we have on our life. So our love must be genuine, and if it's not, it's time to do a heart check because we have too much to be grateful for. We've been loved too much. God has done too much in our lives for us to walk around and not love each other like God has called us to. Second identifier says our love must reach beyond ourself. It says in Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We live in a time when our enemy will do whatever he can to destroy the church. Over the years, the corporate church has seen conflict over pew colors, song choices, words on the wall. Now we're in the mask, no mask, vaccine versus no vaccine. The enemy is doing everything he can to divide the church. But we must, as the church, resist the urge to look at ourselves and to reach beyond ourselves and love one another as Christ has loved us and not judge one another based on their decisions or what they do. And it's not easy to do that. We're selfish human beings. That's just who we are. To love someone when we don't like them, to decide to love instead of hate, because that's our battle, that's our, that's our flesh that wants to do that. And we must put those things aside to say, even if someone upsets me, or does, someone to, does something to hurt my feelings, they're fighting their own battles, and that is them, that it is not a battle of flesh and blood. That is very hard to remember sometimes. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. They are also battling the enemy. It's really easy to love someone when you realize that they are also hurting, and they are also in their own battle. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. We are battling the enemy, and we must put those things aside to love someone genuinely. Number three says, your love must never be lazy, but truly enthusiastic. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So if you've been around me for more than five seconds, you realize I'm a very enthusiastic person. Um, it's just in my DNA. It's just how I am. It's who I am, it's just Tori, that's what I am. So, and I, it's, you're like, well, why is it in your DNA? Well, let me explain it to you. So, 
I come from a town, um, Bolivar, which is about an hour and a half from here. Very country town. Um, my dad is um, redneck, too, for lack of a better term. Um, and so my dad married my mom, who is Puerto Rican. Um, so I have redneck crazy and Puerto Rican Hispanic crazy. So yeah, like it's in my DNA. That's just who I am as a person, okay? If you're like, wow, she's really extra. Yeah, I am. Like I just really am. But that's how God created me. Um, but just in, enthusiasm is just in my blood. It's just what I am. I have three, I have two levels. Most people have three levels. I have level one that's like, you know, just like normal Tory, like you know, going throughout my day, and most people have a level two, like, if they get upset, or if they, someone says something mean to them, they're just like, okay, like, I'm starting to get angry, but it's fine, like, I can talk myself through it. Well, I can't really do that. I have, like, a level one and a level three, so, like, level three is just kind of, like, I kind of lose it, but, like, it's all fine. I'm really working on it. It's fine, but I have two levels, so it's fine. Um, most people have, I wish I had three levels, you know, like it would make my life so much easier, but I kind of go from like one extreme to the next very quickly. Um, but enthusiasm comes from two Greek words meaning in God. And when you get in God, you'll be enthusiastic. Truth be told, enthusiastic people attract others. How do you gain enthusiasm? You fill your life with love. When you fill your life with love, then it's easier to be enthusiastic. It's easier to love people. After all, God, by definition, is love. The most loving people are often the most enthusiastic people. They're quick and ready to respond, and yet the opposite is also true. The most unloving people are usually the most unenthusiastic people. You can tell when someone doesn't really want to be around you, and you can say, well, Tori, it's easy for you because you just explained. It's natural. It's, it's how you were made. But it's, it's just really easy whenever you're in Christ, you will bear that fruit. You have the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, all of the things that, that whenever you're walking with Jesus, you will bear the fruit. If you are truly, genuinely in a relationship with him, sooner or later, you'll start bearing that fruit. And the second one is joy. Joy and enthusiasm are very, very similar. It is possible. So don't label yourself as introverted or quiet. No, a fruit of the Spirit is joy. We all have access to the fruits of the Spirit through Jesus. So don't use the excuse, that's just the way I am. I'm not joyful. I'm not enthusiastic. No, that's just how you're choosing to stay. We can grow. We can be joyful. We can be enthusiastic. And don't be lazy with that. You don't have to label yourself as never joyful or I'm just this way or I've had. Listen, we can all probably do that, right? We've all been through things. We've all been through things. But you know what? We're going to choose joy, right? Choose joy every day. Number four says, your, your love must be positive, patient, and prayerful. It says in Romans 12, 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. I love how Paul seems to pause in the middle of all of this to remind us that it is possible to resemble the love of God even if we fail to remain connected to the giver of true love. He says, you have a hope to hold on to when everything is falling apart. Because of this hope, you can patiently endure through trials. We accomplish this with a lifestyle of prayer and be hopeful, be joyful in hope and expect the best. 
When things are tough, be patient. Whatever happens, never stop praying. When we have people in church who are positive and patient and prayerful, love is going to flow from these walls. It's inevitable. When you're in Christ and when you're genuinely walking with him, you will show that. In James 1, chapter 2, verses verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face many kinds of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We have the choice to choose joy. We just talked about that. That's up to us. That's not up to God. Because God gives the joy. He gives the love. He gives the patience. But that doesn't automatically assume that we will accept that. Just because someone gives you a birthday present doesn't mean you have to take the birthday present. Like, God gives the gift, but it's up to us to take it from him. Wouldn't you rather be loved with joy and patience than disgust and impatience? And Christians can be that way more more times than not, unfortunately. But we need to change the narrative of what the world says about Christians, that we can love positively, patiently, and with prayer. And even when we don't agree with someone's life choices, we can love them through that. We don't have to be mean to them. We don't have to shove truth down their throat because that's what pushes them away, actually. We can love them through that because you know what? When people are dealing with things or dealing with, you know, any, any sort of sin, we are no better, okay? We are all dealing with sin. We are all dealing with things. It, theirs might look a little different than ours, but we are called to love them. Judgment, that's up to God. We are called to love one another. Number five says, your love must be freely offered to others. In Romans twelve thirteen, it says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. We must be quick to step in and help and slow to shoot our wounded. However, we must find the balance between helping and enabling. Those are two different things. Remember, God loves us too much to leave us where we are. So therefore, we must encourage, correct, and assist those in effort to become more of what God has called them to be. We are to help them find that. Jesus gives acceptance, not approval. We can walk with someone. We can help them. We can walk with them through their hurt. But in that same tone, we need to be willing to offer them truth. If your brother or sister is in sin, kindly address that. And I say kindly very Um, emphasized because sometimes that's hard. We are doing them a disservice if we know our brother and sister is in sin and we don't say anything about it. And that's really hard to do. We offer, we are there to offer a hand for them, but we don't want them to stay where they are. But it doesn't mean that we do it in a hateful way or to call them out or to um, you know, just say it in a, in a mean tone. The Bible is very clear about who are we to judge whenever we sin ourselves. So this is just being there for your friend, being there for your coworker or your parent who is in sin and loving them through it, not being judgmental. Jesus was never judgmental. He loved people where they were. 
and he spoke truth in love. And it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not the judgment or the rude comment or any. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Identifier number six says, our love must be pure and not rooted in evil. This one's really hard. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. This includes those in the church and those outside of the church. The best thing we can do is to pray for those that speak evil against us because it will happen. I am the biggest people pleaser you will ever probably meet in your life. And I am also the biggest baby when it comes to people not liking me, not approving of me. But one thing I have learned in ministry is that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to agree with what you're doing. And honestly, it's knocked the wind out of me several times, more times than I wish it did. But I had to come to the realization, and I heard a podcast one time, and they said, are you in this for the approval of man, or are you in this for the approval of God? Because I already have God's approval. So we need to pray for those who hurt us. And sometimes that's really, really hard to do. Probably one of the hardest things to do. But it gets easier because we can realize that we are human beings with emotions. We are fallen, broken people. And when we start to change our perspective to pray for them genuinely, not like a, oh, I pray for them, or like, oh, God bless them, and like roll your eyes. No, like that's not what I'm talking about. Like a, a genuine love for them. Because like I mentioned earlier, we're all going through stuff. We just are. Everybody, it, everybody's looks different, but we're all going through things and we need to be kind to one another. Because just because they're treating you that way, they're treating you that way for a reason. There's, a, there's an issue there. The enemy is, is attacking them. And when you can change your perspective and say, you know what? They're probably treating me this way because the enemy is speaking into their ear and they're speaking out. That's when you start to change your perspective and say, you know what? They're going through something. I need to pray for them. I need to love them through that. Maybe it's not like a let's be best friends, but like, we need to love them through that. Romans 12, 15 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. This is really easy for me to do because when someone is very happy, man, I'm so happy for them. Like, let's be so happy together. But then when people are sad, man, if I see someone crying, like, I'm gonna cry. I don't, may not even know why, but I that's just, I'm very emotional. You can ask Luke. Literally, it's just, you know, again, back to the redneck Hispanic. It's just, I'm a lot, okay? Um, so we must learn to be sympathetic and empathetic with those around us. After all, we are a family that is called to this journey of life with one another. We are a family who should bear the burdens of our neighbors. And sometimes bearing the burdens, that doesn't mean bearing all of it, because sometimes we can try to, to bear the burdens of one another and it becomes too heavy on us. We need to be very careful that we're not taking on that, but just to be with them, be a listening ear for them. Because sometimes 
they, you may be the only Jesus that people see. They may, your coworker that is struggling with something, you may be the only Jesus that they see. And we are all going through things that no one knows. We're all fighting battles. Every single one of us are fighting battles. So be kind. You never know what someone is walking through, so you need to love them through that. Weep when they weep. Rejoice when they do and love them through it all. And finally, Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud. Enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. And I smile because we live in a time where everyone on Facebook thinks they know it all. And everyone's a scientist and everyone has been to medical school and you know, everybody knows everything. You know, it's 2021, welcome. Um, but so a little, a little thing about Luke and I, I, we're both very stubborn. You could probably tell by looking at me that I'm stubborn, but you probably wouldn't know that by looking at Luke because he's the most, he is the most gentle, sweetest human being I've ever met in my life. But he's very stubborn. He just is, man. And like, I don't even think I knew that before we got married. Like, it wouldn't have changed anything. But I'm pretty sure, like, that was something he hid for a while. Like, just kind of like put it in his back pocket, you know. And then when you get married, like, everything comes out. Like, the first year of marriage, like, first year of marriage is rough, people. Like, it just is. But, you know, we both think we know it all. Like, there are times where I will literally say, I will bet my life savings on the fact that you're wrong. Like, I have said that so many times to him. And he's like, what are you talking, like, you don't have life savings. I, if I did, like, I would bet it on the fact that you're wrong. Like, we have this conversation. God bless the pastoral staff of this church because they see, Luke and I, obviously, we work together. And so I feel like a lot, it comes out, we have very different working styles. We actually shared an office for like five minutes and then we realized that wasn't gonna work very well. Um, and so we just do, we're just different. I mean, we're, it's a good different. We really balance each other out, but we're just, sometimes it's like the dumbest stuff we say. And I'm like, you know what? You're wrong and I'm right. And that's just what it is. And he's like, no, but you're wrong and I'm right. And you know, it just goes from there. And I go to like level three really quickly, but you know what? We don't know it all. We spend too much time stressing those small things of being right, of commenting back on Facebook like it really matters. You know, the best thing to do is just to not comment back to people. You know, you might see someone you, something you disagree with, just move on. You know, life is too short. Relationships are too important of your friends or your people you're friends with that, you know what, sometimes it's not worth it. This verse says to live in harmony, and that's hard to do when we're fighting about who's right and who's wrong. It causes discord in the body of Christ. Live in harmony with those around you. Don't stress the small things. And we are here to do two things on this earth. Yes, we're called to be mommies and daddies and teachers and pastors and all of these doctors and nurses and all of these things. But most of all, most importantly, Number one, we're called to show the love of Jesus. And the second thing is to bring as many people with us to heaven as we can. And we can't do those things if we're being mean or hateful or judgmental or not loving each other how we should. We're not able to do that because what we're doing is we're showing the people 
that Christians are mean, that Christians are just judgmental and hateful. And you know what? Like, we need to change that narrative. And God loves us too much. He's done too much in our lives for us to walk around and be judgmental to other people. We are called to love them. And I know some of you, it's hard to love people or to understand the love of a heavenly father whenever you haven't been loved that way by your own father or by people in your life. It's really hard to do that. When you've been shown a love that is not what I'm talking about, that is mean, that is, you know, abusive even, that it's really hard to love people whenever you've been through that. But we serve a God who restores. We serve a God who loves you. We serve a God who will change that, that mindset that you have that, that everybody's out to get you or that no one loves you or that you're all alone because you're not. Those are lies from the enemy. And if that's something you struggle with is, is thinking that people don't love you or that you're, you struggle with that, one thing that I've learned is is you, need to, is you need to create new pathways in your brain for that. I'm getting all psychological here, but our brains are so wired and so used to thinking a certain way. Like if I have this, this single thing happen, oh, they don't like me. Oh, they don't love me. Oh, they, this, or this is happening. No, whenever those things happen, replace that with truth, that I am loved, that I am a child of God, that he is pleased with me. Those are the three things I say to myself all the time. I am loved, I am a child of God, and he is pleased with me. And if you've been hurt and it's created that space for brokenness or trauma, I just want to say I'm so sorry. I'm sorry if Christians have been anything less than loving. I'm sorry if if your parent hasn't always been there for you or you've been through relationships that, that have caused you to have that trauma. But I just want you to know that that is not our heart, especially here at Encounter. Our heart is to love you through that. That's not the heart of the big C church, the church of America. That's humanity. We serve a God who loves, who restores brokenness, who loves the unlovable. So if I could have the worship team join me this morning. I just would like to go back into one of these songs to sing it over you as we close today. <laughs>